What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where, with the Lakers now unexpectedly browless for the foreseeable future, Frank Vogel and crew must now draw in their brows like a bunch of ABGs, Asian baby girls, and make do with what they have. Luckily, what they have isn't too shabby, and this team was constructed specifically for this moment. So draw in those brows, stick on them fake-ass eyelashes, and let's ABG <laughs> this joint up. Uh, all right. Welcome to the Lakers Legacy Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez. I'm joined by my co-host, Tommy Alexander. Tommy, your thoughts on drawn-in eyebrows? And maybe ABGs, too. I don't know. Sexy. Sexy? All right. Well, that's what we're going to get from the Lakers new edition minus AD, maybe. Quick disclaimer, uh, we're recording this podcast in the middle of the Lakers game versus the Timberwolves at the half. Currently, after quite the crappy first half, the Lakers are still somehow up by one point. But for the most part, our, a lot of our opinions are not going to be informed solely by this game for obvious reasons, even if they end up losing this game to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, but this whole this game episode... Is the season, bro. <laughs> this game is the season. Uh, by the way, Carl Towns is a his record against the Lakers in the Target Center is seven and zero. We'll see if that holds up today. That's but yeah, crazy. the big news of the season for the Lakers so far is Anthony Davis has a calf strain. Luckily, it's not an Achilles tear precursor or anything of that sort, even though uh, I know that's what it seems like every time he clutches uh, in that area. And given what we saw uh, in game five of the finals last year and what we just saw from Kevin Durant as well. Yeah, Anthony Davis has given us quite a scare. In spite of that, the Lakers are currently 21 and seven, maybe 22 and seven by the time you listen to this. Right now, the Lakers are going to sit Anthony Davis after he re-aggravated that calf strain, that tendinosis, which is the area and sheath surrounding the Achilles heel, but not the Achilles tendon itself, which is good news for us. It looks like it's just going to 
be a matter of resting Anthony Davis and monitoring his situation. He'll be reevaluated in three weeks and likely won't be back till after the All-Star break. So in the meantime, the Lakers have to rejigger and rejigsaw on the fly here for the next three weeks or so. Uh, luckily, they aren't exactly strangers to this this season as they have gone five games without Anthony Davis up until this point, not including this Timberwolves game. They are 4-1 and one in those five games. Uh, they are still the number one defensive uh, team in the league, but obviously Anthony Davis was the anchor of all of that. So, uh, Tommy, quick icebreaker question for you. I mean, regardless of what the prognosis was after the fact, I mean, how how scary is this Anthony Davis near the Achilles sort of injury, uh, how, how scary has it been for you up until this season? And did it just start getting serious uh, last night or was this sort of bubbling forth? Well, he's missed some games throughout the season. Frankly, I feel like he's been running a little gimpy for a few weeks at this mm-hmm. point. Maybe that's just my hindsight bias, right? But it, it feels like he hasn't been his fully explosive you know, self that we're used to seeing. Um when he first started missing games with Achilles soreness, I, I, my initial thought was that ain't good. Um, but, but when he came back and, um, you know, played in that game, uh, I forget which one it was already. It was the lot. It was the one before Denver. Did he, he came back before Denver, right? Or was Denver? I think it was M- Memphis or he okay, had like 35 yeah, points right. or something. That's right. That's right. So he looked great. And I was like, okay, no problem. But I was concerned again, obviously, after Denver, because it didn't seem to really be a contact injury. I mean, people were like, he bumped legs with Jokic, but I'm like, that shouldn't cause your Achilles to hurt necessarily. I mean, obviously, I'm not a doctor or whatever, but um, a doctor or whatever. Um, (laughs) But but I I was nervous. I mean, I I don't know what feed of the game you're watching, because I know it was on two channels. I was watching the ESPN one, just out of curiosity, and... They were showing him walking off, and he was walking off super gingerly. He wasn't putting any pressure on the on the foot. It looked like, frankly, he needed to be helped off, but he was trying to just walk off under his own power for the cameras, and his, his heel was super, super stiff, like he couldn't mm-hmm. flex it. And I'm like, I am praying to God that is not uh, some sort of torn Achilles. But, you know, all things considered, this is not bad news. Um but yeah, I mean, look, I was scared and kind of relieved to hear that hopefully it's just a three-week-ish type of thing. And frankly, if it becomes a two-month-ish type of thing, that's fine compared to, you know, what obviously could have right. been much worse. I mean, it's hard to disconnect what you see on screen in real time and what you're hearing from even Anthony Davis himself. But from all accounts, it seems like they've been on top of this and they probably anticipated maybe maybe an aggravation happening at some point, but they were just going to continue to monitor the situation. Like you said, I mean, I think Anthony Davis has been day-to-day this entire season with some sort of strain to that area. So it's clear that they were just managing and monitoring this. And, you know, some people might argue, well, then why was Anthony Davis playing at all? But from everything that we've heard, even with this re-aggravation, it doesn't seem like he was going to do any additional damage or tear his Achilles. It's just something that produces swelling and like a pain management sort of thing. And I think the result of that, the consequence of that is Anthony Davis sort of in-game load managing. That's why he was taking a bunch of jump shots this season. That's why he wasn't going hard into the paint or really sacrificing his body the way that we saw him do in the playoffs. And so... But again, it's hard to to think about that when you see him 
crumple to the floor in the way that he did. Luckily for me, for better or for worse, the two times that Anthony Davis has crumpled to the floor like that and, and held his heel, I wasn't watching in real time, so I was spared that agonizing uh, moment. <laughs> so I was very stressed out. Yeah, I'm sure it was. I mean, hearing about it is always stressful when you don't get to see it. I was like at a drive-in movie theater watching this Korean-American movie called Minari. Pretty good. Watch it if you get a chance. But uh, I, I learned about it after the fact, but it already seemed by that point that nobody thought it was anything too serious. And they had already done preliminary x-rays in the locker room, et cetera, et cetera. But regardless, scary moment, dodged another bullet, uh, just like we dodged one in the finals. Even though back then I kind of felt like this may trickle into this season, especially with the quick turnaround, lo and behold, it has. Now it's just about really continuing to stay on top of it, make sure nothing further catastrophic happens, and that Anthony Davis really gets the rehab he deserves. And this is what this entire episode is going to be about. Uh, before we get into all that, though, as usual, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us five stars on the Apple Podcast app. We are still waiting for our first 2021 review. Actually, I think we may have one, but we're waiting for our second. So please help us out in that department. If you'd like to help us out financially in any small way, you can also go to patreon.com slash the Lakers Legacy Podcast and donate a buck. Um, and if you're looking for Philippine X-inspired Lakers apparel, including this purple ube-colored Lakers hat that I have on currently, you can go to kuyate.com. That's K-U-Y-A-T-E.com. Use promo code LITLEGACY to get 10% off your purchase. They also have Lakers beanies and hoodies featuring the Lakers logo set to the backdrop of the eight-raid sun on the Filipino flag. All right. With that said, back to the Anthony Davis thing. Um... Now that we know for sure that he's going to be rested for the next three weeks, I guess, what are your general thoughts on how the this Lakers team proceeds and what, what's your sentiment on this Lakers team currently? I think for me, and not to have the first half of this Timberwolves game color my perception of it too much, but um, kind of reminds me of LeBron's first year with the Lakers and the young core. Uh, mm. <laughs> but... Well, obviously a better version because you're working with veterans. And if you remember right. when LeBron was healthy with that team, we were still like a top three seed in the West, right? Uh, we right. weren't as good as we could be, but we were still chugging along and trying to find our identity within that. And so um, that's kind of my general impression to start off. I think this team is going to have some bumps and bruises just trying to find their identity. And I know they're four and one without Anthony Davis, but it's there's just like a like a mental sort of a different mental approach to things. Um, just knowing that, you know, Anthony Davis is going to come back the next game and we'll be fine uh, versus, oh, we're going to be three weeks without Anthony Davis. We really have to establish a new identity on the fly with the notion that, and then we're going to rejigger things again once Anthony Davis comes back, which I don't think is going to be too big of a problem. But yeah, what are your general sentiments on uh, this new addition Lakers without a hey. are you excited are you kind of scared or what's what's up I guess my initial reaction was uh I was a little scared as I've thought about it more and you know put into context where we are as a organization and as a team compared to where a lot of other teams are I feel less bad about it I mean look if AD misses nine games uh, let's just say he misses 10 he misses the all-star break in a game after the all-star break something like that let's say it's about 10 games 
if we go five and five in that stretch, which, you know, looking at the schedule for the next, I guess we only have the next nine, but like, let's assume the one after the all-star is, is not too bad. Like it seems like we probably won't be in a super bad position. I mean, you kind of compared this team to the young core year, not necessarily in terms of talent, but in terms of potential outcome with just by virtue of having LeBron. And I, I don't think you're far off. I mean, I do think we are a top three or four team, even without Anthony Davis, which is pretty crazy. I will say the big, big caveat there is we are a team with Anthony Davis. So like we're used to playing with him. We're used to kind of running through him for the guys who were here last year. I mean, we were even used to, 80 carrying us throughout the season. I mean, he missed a few games as did LeBron for, you know, LeBron was mostly rest last year, but 80 missed a few games. Um, a couple minor with an injury and a couple for rest. And we, I mean, it was a huge impact. I don't think I, we, we barely won any of those. I remember Denver blew us out in one of them. And, you know, we were so used to 80 kind of carrying us from, even from last year. And there's a good amount of carryover onto the team this year. So, when you factor that in, you factor the, you know, even the new guys, they've been used to deferring a ton to AD. It, there's going to be an adjustment. I think I'm much, much, much more worried defensively than I am offensively. And I don't think we're going to suddenly go from being, you know, the best defensive team in the league to being middle of the pack or worse. I do think we're still going to be very good. I just think our margin for error on all sides becomes a lot smaller and we have not been playing like a team at, that has a small margin of error for this entire game. We're more than a third through this, or excuse me, this entire season, and we're more than a third through the season. Um, so I worry a little bit about the ability to flip the switch. Now, look, before we recorded, and you know, if you're thinking about what what's the team going to look like without AD, you start thinking about a few guys: Kyle Kuzma, Schroeder, Montrez. Markeith, like certain guys who are going to need to step up in a pretty big way to fill the void and all kind of in different ways. From what we saw in the first half of this game, you know, those guys were stepping up. So that's a pretty good sign. Um, but yeah, like I said, I, I think this will be better for the team overall um, offensively. It'll allow other guys to kind of find their rhythm without worrying about AD getting his looks. Um, it'll it'll uh, cause guys to figure out how they are going to run their offense and who's going to get them shots in case they can't just rely on AD and LeBron to bail them out. I think all those things could be like, you know, a hidden type of benefit almost um, without losing too much, uh, probably too much uh, space in the standings or, you know, too much, too many uh, ranks in the standings here. But I think um, defensively I have concerns and it's not, just because we don't have a, another true room protector. I mean, Mark averages nearly as many blocks actually as AD does, and he can be some form of defense back there, but we rely on AD. I mean, there's a reason AD is a defensive player of the year candidate, right? He does so many things. He will defend so many players on the same possession. You can switch him out to like elite point guards in the NBA on the perimeter, and he'll keep up with them. Like, I mean, he's a f- complete freak. And so we've been kind of working this whole season to get everybody used to, you know, these complex defensive schemes that we're going to run. And those presumably have to change. And I think we saw it even a little in the first half of this uh, Timberwolves game. Like those are going to have to change quite a bit. 
Um, we can't do the same type of switching necessarily that we've been doing. We can't funnel guys, uh, you know, with depending on the personnel that is available. Maybe there were certain guys off the bench who were used to always playing with AD. So they're used to funneling their guys a certain way. So AD can help or get the block or whatever. But like, that's a lot of muscle memory that you kind of have to overturn at this point. And so I, I think ultimately we'll be fine. I think, you know, really ultimately at a super high level, this doesn't matter at all because if you think back to like the three P days where we had like these dominant teams, we, I think the third year we finished fourth or something in the West. Like as long as we are playing at a high level when the season ends, we have enough talent on this team to beat anyone. Um, so this is all probably not a huge deal, but those are my concerns in, in the short term with AD out. Yeah, I just want to echo how big of a loss Anthony Davis is to our team because I'm about to, it's going to sound like I'm not that concerned, but he is a huge loss. Right. It's just that we constructed this team in the offseason for this very scenario and this situation. So not to say that we expected Anthony Davis to go down or that we want him to go down for other uh, tangential benefits or whatever. Um, but if there was any if there was ever any roster t- that could stem the tide of something huge like this, it was this one, right? And But first, I just want to get to like the holes that he leaves. And obviously, defense is the biggest thing, biggest gaping void that we have to fill collectively. And I think the disappointing part is, as you mentioned, we were starting to get used to everything. And Anthony Davis was a defensive player of the year candidate, even on a gimpy leg. You know, that's kind of crazy. He wasn't right. even at his full capacity. But with Anthony Davis, that's how we were able to pull off those random, like, we don't try for a whole first half, and then the second half we hold the other team to 14 points, like, in the <laughs> right. last two quarters, right? Like, those ridiculous runs and stretches where we just turn the faucet water off on another team, that was Anthony Davis-induced, you know, for the most part. Obviously, there were other contributing factors, like Kyle Kuzma's defense being uh, huge this year and him just stepping up, being in the 90th percentile of isolation defenders and all that stuff. That's insane. And, and Trez being put in a better position. Like, all those contribute to everything. But at the crux of all that is Anthony Davis, right? And right. so once you remove him, can those players still do everything uh, correctly and knowing now that their biggest safety blanket, and I don't want to use that as, that sounds very, what's it called, uh, like an insult to Anthony Davis because he's much more than a safety blanket, but on offense and on defense, he is very much a safety blanket, even operating at 60% capacity, load managing in-game because he knows that he's kind of banged up and he didn't have the time to rest. So, I mean, I guess the counter argument to that is the Lakers did have a lineup without Anthony Davis, uh, through these last few weeks that was actually performing very well defensively. And that lineup is, of course, the energy unit with AC, THT, Kuzma, Trez, and LeBron. That lineup was actually a very good defensive unit. They were scrappy as hell. They were energetic. But that lineup is kind of rejiggered now that Anthony Davis is out because Kuzma's starting. Right. Trez is playing a different role. I'm sure we'll still see that lineup, but things on a macro level, just change dramatically when Anthony Davis is out for a full game. So just keep that in mind. Um, now to the points that you were mentioning about, okay, at the end of the day, yes, huge hit to us. We are going to have to adapt and ch- try and find a new identity on the fly here without Anthony Davis. Um, some positives, though, is that, I don't know, me as a fan kind of gets me excited a little bit to see what the Lakers can do here. 
Um, and it's almost like a new and interesting wrinkle to the season that, you know, to be honest with you, for the most part, you called this team, you called your sentiments to this team sort of apathetic the last episode. And you could tell the guys were sort of being lulled into their own greatness, lulled into boredom by their own greatness. And again, not to say that we wanted this to happen, but for me, this event should sort of wake the team up. And you sort of hinted at, okay, can they flip the switch at this point? Because I don't think they anticipated having to flip the switch this early and in this capacity with their second best player going down. But I still think this team is capable of doing that. And obviously there's that whole LeBron James MVP angle that he can leverage. Um, and so I think for me, there's a, there's a sort of like enticing, interesting angle to everything that I think also should trickle down to the players where they, they some players get a chance to step up. They're going to get more minutes to get into a rhythm. But most of all, they're a, kind of a new iteration of this team. And I'm sure they're going to take it on as a challenge to be like, hey, we're just as good without Anthony Davis. You know, last year when Avery Bradley was out, they had that Avery challenge going on in his stead. I'm sure they're going to have some sort of brow challenge or Anthony Davis challenge that they'll be kind of holding up there in his honor. Not that he died or anything, but I think everyone eventually will be way more locked in in the short term. And then by the time Anthony Davis comes back, I mean, he's probably the easiest plug and play player to sort of just insert into your unit. Uh, It'll probably still take him time to readjust mentally and physically, but it's sort of aligning for that final push where this sort of gets the rest of the roster to sort of lock in sooner than maybe they would have, right? And then once Anthony Davis comes in, you know, those first few weeks, you just plug and play him because he's that type of player and wait for him to lock in mentally and get healthy. So from that end, I'm kind of excited to see what this um, team can do. Do you have anything else to add before we take it to break? Um, no, I mean, look, I'm excited too. I think you raised valid points. It, it'll be interesting. Um, but we are going to have to clean up our game so much. And I guess, you know, again, maybe you look for the silver lining in things. Maybe this came at the right time in the season because how long are we going to continue this like apathetic kind of 50, 50, you know, half-ass play for, you know, over the course of the year, how long are we going to continue that before we started to ramp it up? And I think the intensity level, everyone is going to feel like they need to take some ownership and some responsibility over mm-hmm. making sure we ramp it up. And I think part of that is, you know, LeBron's leadership and, and, and the coaches, but um, I just hope they can get there um, because we are now like a third into the season. Like I mentioned, a lot of teams have been operating at that level for a while now, and we are just kind of starting to try to. Right. For sure. Um, like I said, it's just a new and interesting wrinkle to this season. It's going to be a long journey. We're here for the journey. Uh, we're going to take it to break first, pitch it to our Apple podcast review of the night, and then we'll return and close this episode out talking about specific players and maybe specific lineups we want to see to help replace Anthony Davis because, as Frank Vogel has mentioned, it's going to be a, a by-committee approach. Uh, and, and this year, the Lakers have the best sort of committee they've ever had. So we'll see how much that actually holds up. So uh, first, we'll take it to the Apple Podcast Review of the Night. All right, so for tonight's Apple Podcast Review of the Night, we have TNT's finest Chuck Charles Barkley to read the review. So whenever you're ready... Chuck, take it away. 
Oh, thank you, man. Don't tell Shaq that uh, you call me the finest, you know, because he's going to come o- come after my head. But uh, it's okay, you know, because I'm, I'm pretty. He shouldn't be coming after my head. He wish he looked this good. All right, so this one says, uh, best show by far by Jesus, one, two, three, five, four. I think Jesus could probably count to five, but that's okay. <laughs> All right, so says, it's a nice blend of between casual and actual info on the Lakers. Uh, greatly recommended over any other show, uh, except for Inside the NBA mm. with me and uh, those other ugly guys on the set. There you go. Thank you so much, Chuck. And as this reviewer said, it's apparently given by Jesus. So I think no more needs to be said in that case. So thank you, Jesus. I'm sure it's Jesus. Or I, I don't know. Um, but regardless, thank you, Jesus12354, for this great review. He recommends it over any other show. So what high praise. And uh, Chuck, thank you for joining us. We will catch you on Inside the NBA soon. You gotcha, man. Take it easy. All right, so we're back. To close this episode out, we're going to talk about the specific players who have to step up. It's probably very obvious to you guys. But before we get to that, Tommy, we could probably sweep this away pretty quickly. But just to touch upon it, um, does Anthony Davis's absence increase pressure to bring in any outside help? Another big uh, Blake Griffin has been <laughs> is being sat by the Pistons uh, in hopes of being traded or bought out. The the latter of which is probably very unlikely because he has the player option for $38 million next year or something, and it's owed around that same amount uh, this year in full. There's also Andre Drummond, who's in the exact same situation, although he'll be a free agent this summer. Um, are you interested in any of those two? Are you looking for outside help? Does the the narrative remain the same of like, well, yeah, even more so now. Maybe we just get one of these flyer insurance bigs for rim protection if our schemes aren't holding up. Well, certainly nobody of the Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond level do I think we should go after or will we go after. Um, you know, it, it's funny how much of a difference a year makes, but maybe you asked this question last season uh, around the same time of the year, or you asked this question this season, but like we didn't win the championship last year. And I think you might get different responses, but given where, again, where we are as a franchise and a team, you know, we just signed, these guys are going to be with us for a long time. And we can't, you know, it's, it, it, we can't completely mess up our books just because AD gets hurt for like 10 days. So, or 10 games. So I, I don't think somebody of the Blake Griffin and, and Andre Drummond caliber, but Somebody else, I mean, we were thinking about even when, uh, you know, in preseason before the season started and we kind of saw how Rob fixed the books to make it such that, you know, we would have the ability to sign a minimum guy after, you know, the end of January or whatever the math worked out. Um, I think maybe we we think about something like that. Maybe we use the all-star break to think about something like that. But that I could see a little more likely. I mean... I think 10-day contracts you could start to sign next week. Maybe we take a look at like a 10-day contract for – I don't even know because I have no idea who the free agents are right <laughs> now. Um, but maybe a guy who is athletic but has been out of the league or maybe somebody from the G League even. Maybe we, we John Henson. I Yeah, maybe John Henson. I don't know. Maybe we – but you know, like a 10-day contract gives you kind of a nice opportunity to do that and it kind of leads you into the all-star break. Jordan Bell, remember former Laker Jordan Bell? I don't yeah, know. If he, I don't know if he's tall enough, but I don't know. I think he signed with somebody, and also I think he's only like six nine. He's yeah, he's playing in the G League right now for some team. But... Oh, got it, got it. 
but yeah, somebody somebody of that caliber, right? But maybe a little bit bigger, and 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 just kind of see what they can do. Um, I could see us taking a shot like that. I don't know that we are ready to sign, you know, whoever our guy is going to be for the rest of the season. Um, in 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 other words, meaning our fifteenth guy on the roster. I don't think we do that before the All Star break. I still think we kind of wait to see how things play out. We have time. There will be guys waived at the trade deadline, as there are every year. I mean. Even in connection with this Blake Griffin and Drummond stuff, I mean, if either of those guys are moved, there's going to be contracts moving that don't make sense because their mm-hmm. con- salaries are so big. And so, you know, that's just two guys who are being talked about early, but there are going to be a number of moves this year. I think, you know, similar to last year, um, which was a pretty active trade deadline, there are a lot of teams who view it as, you know, anybody's game this year. Um, people think, you know, Lakers, uh, Clippers, Nets even, none of these teams are unbeatable completely. And so I think teams are going to be pretty aggressive. And and whenever there's aggressive GMs, there's, again, contracts moving that don't really make sense. And those guys are going to get waived sometimes. So right. I, I, you know, I think we hold the spot for that. So I, I don't think we react super quickly. And off the top of my head, guys, I'm thinking about, well, one thing, I know the Wizards signed Alex Len, but he's been getting DNPs the last few games for former Laker Mo Wagner. So he might get bought out. Um, Aaron Baines might be collateral damage in any sort of Toronto Raptors trade, like you mentioned. Uh, he would be uh, a welcome sight on the Lakers. I mean, we wanted him, we wanted to sign him in free agency. Obviously, that's probably would have been stupid if we gave him $7 million like the Raptors did. But as a buyout guy, sure thing. Um, and then I honestly don't know if we can do this, but what is what are the Cavs doing with JaVale McGee? I know they're a playoff team in the right. East right now, but I mean, right, right. JaVale McGee would be the easiest plug and play if we can just bring him back on the team as insurance. You know what I mean? Uh, granted, he wants to do that, but those are guys off the top of my head that the Lakers could potentially sign for their 15th man, which I think at this point they can do without, you know, going up against the hard capper. They can comfortably sign a rest of the season guy at this point. Um with that said, let's get to the guys you want to see step up. Um, I guess one point I forgot to mention that's disappointing about Anthony Davis's absence is, and this is a perfect segue into talking about Kuz, is we had just gotten to see for the first time that lineup of Anthony Davis at the center, LeBron James at the four, and then Kuzma at the three actually close a game. And it looked mm-hmm. really good, you know what I mean? And I was like, oh, here yeah. we go. We're going to lock in. Kuzma's playing so well that Frank Vogel trusts him to close. And then, obviously, you can't do that. I mean, Kuzma's going to close these more more games than not at this point. But, unfortunately, Anthony Davis isn't going to be there as well. So um, that's one sort of disappointment I have of just like, man, we, we're finally going to see the death unit or that death lineup with the three-headed monster of six, nine guys and above who can like pretty much switch everything and use their length to cause havoc. But unfortunately, that's going to have to wait. But yeah, talk to me about specific guys who you see stepping up in Anthony Davis's stead. And thank God for Kyle Kuzma because he was already trending this direction anyway. And so right. now it's his time again. So Yeah, I mean, Kyle Kuzma is a big one. I, I For me, Markeith. If Markeith, I, I feel like a lot of other guys, Trez has been solid all year. Um Schroeder, you kind of, I kind of feel like he can step up when the time comes, I, but I would love to see Markeith step up a bit more. Um, and, and you know, we needed Markeith to win the championship last year. It was a huge, huge deal when we were able to get him despite all our other signings, and he has not performed kind of where we all expected he would be. Um, 
But so. you know my thing on Markeef, right? There was a reason why, and I, this is not an overall excuse for him, but it's it, it's very understandable that given how much his role has fluctuated and even when he was in the rotation, it was literally like three minutes at the start of the second and then three minutes to end the third, and then that would literally be it. So I can understand, again, this isn't an excuse for his poor defensive player, poor effort, but I can understand how a player like him, and he's even iterated it to the media, how a player like him would just have no rhythm whatsoever and maybe mentally maybe in a bad space. But I think knowing now that, okay, I have a cemented role, even if it's a 15-minute limited role, I know for sure I'm going to play this amount of minutes and will be relied upon to sort of pick up the slack in AD's stead. I think just naturally that does something to a player to sort of help him snap back into place. But Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think that's a plausible plausible explanation and we'll see i i hope for the best because i want him to do well so so i'm i'm optimistic i think uh were you gonna did you have any other guys you wanted to step up i mean you talked about schroeder earlier on just being more aggressive and there's one less hand to feed or mouth to feed so there is there is and you know Schroeder and 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 trez like those guys i have some because they've shown they can do it and they've shown they can do it on playoff caliber teams um in both cases so I have less worry about them. Um, Kuz, like you said, was already trending up. I think we we can rely on those three to be pretty solid for us. I think that's why I just kind of by default fall fall back to Markeith. Although I, you know, look, I acknowledge that with more minutes, he he uh, may will have more of an opportunity to step up and may actually step up. But I, I wasn't impressed by what we saw early season, and I know his minutes were lower, and I know he was getting some inconsistent play time even early, but. Um, I, I'm a little bit, I, I would like to see him step up the most for sure, because I, I think I'm a, the least confident in it, if that makes yeah. sense. Well, I joked with you before we hopped on that since his yeah. brother, his twin brother, Marcus Morris is uh, tearing it up with the Clippers. I mean, he had 32 points and hit six threes the oh last God, game that I think, out. yeah, I think there's a cosmic connection with this, this twin duo. I mean, there's already a cosmic connection in the fact that the Clippers stars have been out for a while. And now one of the Lakers stars is out that's giving Markeith Morris an opportunity. So uh, I think there could be something here with Markeith Morris just finding a groove, like a smaller version of what Marcus Morris is doing. And we all have to hope for that because we're going to need him. I think for me, one benefit is that, and again, this kind of falls on Frank Vogel to stagger correctly and for LeBron James to give the keys to a guy like Gasol and Kuzma to run the show. But for the first time, we're going to get more more of those minutes of Gasol and Kyle Kuzma together. And so hopefully we see a lot of that really nice off-ball movement, a lot of that give-and-go stuff that Gasol likes to sling. Um, And in terms of Kyle Kuzma trending up too, I feel like in the last few games, uh, even though he's been struggling with his three-point shot a little bit, and I think that is easily correctable, like it's been nice to see his ISO swag come back a little bit. And his timing and finishing and quirky shot making in the lane seems to be back. Although I know he had a couple shots blocked against the Minnesota Timberwolves. But those aside, I mean, it's been nice to see Kyle Kuzma's game slowly coming together all at the right time. And I'm not just talking about defensively, which ironically this season has been his failsafe. Like he can fall back on his defense. But it's also nice to see like rookie sophomore year Kuz come back in terms of being able to, you know, jump off the wrong foot and still bank it in, um, being able to hit these quirky hook shots that are pure in the lane. Um, that's what's 
booing his like field goal percentage where even in spite of the fact that he's only been shooting like 20% from three the last few games, overall he's still shooting like 54% from the field because his in-the-paint shots has been uh, really high. Um, and then on top of that, his athleticism this year seems off the charts with r- several really amazing putback posters on people, uh, especially Michael Porter Jr. So I've really loved seeing that. And so if Kuzma can just continue what he's doing, continue to stay confident, and also play off of a guy like Gasol with Mar- with uh, Frank Vogel helping facilitate that, um, I think we'll be able to continue to stem the tide. Um, but, but like you said, this is going to be a defensive thing at the end of the day. Uh, you mentioned to me offline that, you know, the Lakers three point percentage has dropped precipitously and we've sort of regressed to the mean in the last few weeks. Um, I guess to close this episode, are you concerned about that at all? Do you think it'll eventually turn around or at the end of the day, look, this is just going to be a defensive thing. Trez is going to have to continue to step up. Kuzma is going to continue to have to crash the boards as uh, devilish as he has been. And Marquise Morris is going to have to be that bruising presence that he was for us last year. Gasol too, actually. Gasol just needs to, I mean, Gasol needs to step up as well, but. I mean, it's weird because we are doing so well defensively, so it's hard to critique it. (laughs) But, you know, it, it, yeah, in terms of guys who need to step up, I think the biggest thing is our guys on the perimeter have done a fantastic job all year. The guys in the paint need to play bigger. I think Montrez, he kind of started the season a little bit playing a little small. You know, you like kind of felt like you were playing a 6-8 center. And and I think we there were times where we talked about how this isn't going to work out. But I think he's already stepped up even pre-AD going down. Um defensively upping his blocks, getting more chart, like being much more active defensively. Uh, but some of the other guys, yeah, you know, just like, just like the other end of the court when they, with a AD being out, guys need to step up. Hopefully, you know, we don't, we don't stay lazy on that end and, and um, we can continue to have the same impact we had last year. Yeah. And I think to end this, uh, my last point is Pete brought this up in his show, but I think the way that the Lakers have been surviving this season, and we've been saying it all along, the Lakers are still going to be good defensively. It's just going to look different. And that's totally yeah. been the case, even though I know that our block numbers are still uh, pretty high this year and we're top of the league. But a form of rim protection is impeding guys from even driving in the lane in the first place. And I think that's something the Lakers, even without AD, have done pretty well because Cal Kuzma, Alex Caruso, THT, Montrez, LeBron, all of these wingy sort of players have really used their length to their advantage to even, one, they're doing a hell of a job contesting threes and outside shots, but two, just impeding the offensive player from getting clean looks at the rim or even getting to the paint in the first place, which has been a good sign. So they just need to keep that up, and we're going to see if there's going to be some sort of regression. There's going to be some sort of regression to those types of activity without that safety blanket of Anthony Davis. But regardless, I think they're going to be okay. The The biggest takeaway here is Anthony Davis is ultimately going to be fine, hopefully. Kind of reminds me of that uh, Andrew Bynum season I think the second year when we played uh, Orlando where he got injured like, I don't know, maybe two months before the season ended, but we knew he was going to be back for the playoffs. Hopefully we get a much more healthier and engaged version of Anthony Davis than even that. Um, But yeah, ultimately I think we'll be fine and I think this will help the overall rhythm and confidence of the rest of the team because there are other guys like KCP and Alex Caruso who could use like a a mental boost in in that respect. All right. With that said, thank you guys for listening. 
We will catch you guys next time. The Lakers play Brooklyn on Thursday, and that'll be a really fun and interesting game to sort of analyze. (laughs) It's going to be LeBron James versus the world, baby, just how he likes it. So if we can win that one, that's going to be amazing. But uh, until then, Lakers, ABG it up, everybody. Look up ABG, Asian Baby Girl, if you want to delve more into that reference. Uh, But, yeah, with that said, Tommy, I'll catch you later. Pay us. Laters. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.